This is the MLW Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Future Stars Now. My name is Mike Freeland. I am not joined so far right now with the Rit. He is going to be joining me momentarily. But we do have a great show for you scheduled for tonight. Uh, we got an individual on the show with us who has been just about anywhere and everywhere. I was going over his resume and there's so many things that I want to ask questions about from his trainers to different promotions he's worked with. Travis Titan is joining us tonight, and it's going to be a lot of fun, great conversation. Uh, He's worked with Black Label Pro, Warrior Wrestling, CZW, AAW, our good friends Trent Saberi and Danny Daniels as well, our good friends in AAW, uh, our aforementioned good friend Mr. Jerry Lynn as well is there. So there's so many things we're going to get into. We're going to learn all about uh, Mr. Travis Titan. So let's go ahead, without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring him on. What's up, man? Travis, how you doing tonight, buddy? Doing well, doing well. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, so many things I want to get to here because you've worked with a, a who's who of, of people in the industry and have had such a very interesting career so far. Um, but let me first kind of start off with this. How have you been with everything that's been going on with the pandemic and travel and all that kind of stuff normally? Uh Wrestling and travel are, are synonymous, but it has been obviously much more difficult with all of the different things that are going on now. So how are you doing with everything? Yeah, so when the pandemic first started, it was kind of just scary because you didn't really know like what to do or like how far you should travel. And you're like real skeptical about doing and going anywhere. So at first I wasn't really doing a whole lot. I was kind of just trying to stay back because I had a lot of other responsibilities as well. Um so I kind of laid back a little bit and then it seemed to kind of flow into things a little bit more and I was kind of you know feeling more comfortable with going out there being around more people and getting on a lot of shows and stuff and uh was in a pretty good flow and then uh this past fall I think it was like August or something I unfortunately fractured my sternum so for like the past I can't remember what month I, I have it saved whatever match it was for AEW uh it was a tag match was my last one against Colt Cabana and uh Skyler and um that was my last match because I fractured my sternum a couple matches before that (laughs) and uh had to take some time off unfortunately and thankfully I finally get to wrestle again this next month in February so it'll be nice to get back out there um with the traveling and stuff you know I really I'm open to going anywhere and I'm happy to go anywhere now. I feel more comfortable with, you know, like COVID and everything like that as well. Um, so I'm just super thankful that I got an opportunity next month and I feel healthy and just ready to go. You know, it's with wrestling also injuries are unfortunately a big part of it, no matter how careful you are, no matter how much you take care of your opponent, things are going to happen. Um, we know in football, non-contact injuries, sometimes the way you pivot or you twist or whatever, it just, something can go awry outside of this sternum tell me a little bit about some of the other injuries that you've 
endured so far in your wrestling career? Thankfully, it really hasn't been all that much. Um, I got, I think I had like a scratch cornea one time in a match. Um, just happened to get poked in the eye just perfectly, like right in the beginning of the match. And uh, was able to get through it. But man, the day after, oh my goodness, I had such a headache. And like, I just, I couldn't see. Everything was super bright on the one side. But other than that, I haven't had too many injuries. I've only had to cancel like one other booking and it's because I had hurt my knee like the Thursday before. And I was super bummed because I was supposed to work with uh, Beef, Niles Garvin. If you yes. know, yeah, I was supposed to work with him. And instead, uh, Ben Carter, now Nate Fraser, uh, ended up working for him instead. And I was super bummed that I didn't get that. So hopefully that match can happen in the future at some point. But up until I had fractured my sternum, I hadn't had to cancel anything. So thankfully... Nothing too serious, but the the sternum was weird because I never <laughs> never thought in my right mind that I would fracture my sternum, especially on one of the most simple things that you know you take in the wrestling ring. When I hear the phrase uh, sternum, I, I automatically think of uh, Bret Hart um, way back in the early '90s. He he injured himself when it came to his sternum as well, and <laughs> I was just like, "Holy cow!" Like that just the way that's described just sounds awfully painful. Yeah, it's it's not. I, I mean, I could see how he hurt his sternum because, like, I mean, those hard buckles that he took, my goodness. I It happened to me when I was wrestling 2.0, and um, I took their double flapjack on the ropes, and it just it hit just right. And, man, as soon as I hit, I could not breathe. I thought I was having a heart attack, to be honest. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't think it was anything, like, fractured or anything like that. I thought I was having a heart attack because it just it sucked. Wow. But, thankfully, it was all right. And it was the end of the match, so thankfully it was just, you know, it was over. I didn't have to try to keep going through that. Um, but they took care of me. You know, the move was perfectly safe. I just hit it, hit the ropes just right. <laughs> Some, sometimes there's not much you can do, you know no. what I mean? No. Wow. Um, you know, it, so many things as I was going down your resume. Uh, first thing I want to go into, you're a, you're a Michigan man, correct? Yep. So are you uh, a Wolverine or are you a Spartan guy? I'm a Wolverine. Nice. Uh, basically, my dad and like my whole family was pretty much Spartans. Like they all loved Michigan State, and I just was kind of the rebel kid. I just was like, ah, I'm a root for Michigan. And it's the <laughs> same thing with like the NFL too. So like, I mean, I like the Lions, but I'm a Green Bay fan. Brett Favre. There you go. Like, and I just basically that rebel child when it came to the football sports, anyways. So with the the motor machine motor city machine guns, man, I can't even talk. Um, the, the whole the whole hand thing is that is that still a thing? So where where would you be on the hand? Where would that be? Right there. Perfect. Right yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, I actually have some people that I uh, have worked with in the past who've been from Michigan, and it's the hand thing all the time, and <laughs> sure it's uh, it's something that you just start to get used to after a while, mm -hmm. but. When we talk about your career, I don't think you could have gotten off to a better start with the people that you were trained by. I mean, Merrick Brave, Truth Martini, Seth Rollins. I mean, those are some pretty damn good people to be sitting under the learning tree. So let's take one step back from that original question. How did you decide that you wanted to get into training for wrestling? Like, what was the initial, hey, this is really what I want to do? And then what was the situation of, finding a school or finding a trainer that led you to these, these three gentlemen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's actually kind of a fascinating story. I just, I was at college. I had played football for a little bit. Um, and I just, 
I knew something different was meant for me. Like I was meant to do just something kind of almost extraordinary in a way that's not like a normal job. And I was finishing up my bachelor's at Western Michigan. And I just was like, man, I like this office or like sitting down just doing something random just isn't for me. And I've always loved pro wrestling. I've always wanted to be a professional wrestler because I've been an entertainer at heart my whole life. But I didn't know not how easy it would be to find a school or like to find like training because I thought, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about like the independent scene. I knew like a little bit, but not too much. And I didn't know like you could just kind of find a school. So originally I was going to go to California because I'd seen Brian Kendrick post about like his schools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was ready. I was set out. Oh, I'm going to go to California and uh, go train with him. And then I happened to come across Black and Brave with obviously Seth Rollins, Merrick Brave. And uh, I signed up for that. So I had that set in stone. That was going to be January of like 2016 or something. 2016, I think. 2017. One of the two years. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, I think it was 2017. But was uh, contacting Kendrick and uh, was like getting ready to come out there. And he's like, actually, man, to like save you money and to like find a reputable school, there's this guy named Truth Martini. And he's actually probably pretty close to you. He's in Hamtramck, Michigan. Awesome school, awesome guy, guy you can really learn under. And uh, I really think you should go there. And I like, first of all, like knowing the wrestling business now for him to do that is just like, he probably doesn't even know, but he has done so much for my career with that fact of being so selfless open, and just, yeah, just yep. being so selfless and like open to telling me when he could just take my money and you're like, I move out there. He's just like, no man, Hey, like this is going to save you money and you can get started at a really awesome school. So with that said, I messaged truth Martini like three weeks later, I'm like finishing up my degree at the same time. And I go, Hey, is there like openings for this class? He's like, yeah, June, blah, blah, blah. Come on in. So I went and that's how I got started. Wow. You know, it's so interesting because, um, Brian Kendrick, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Brian because obviously he studied under Shawn Michaels and obviously history is known, you know, as far as what Shawn has done in the career, but also what Brian has just being a great high flyer, um, being excellent at cruiserweight action as well. Um, and then segue himself into being a producer with WWE. So he's had many, many different stints and many successful stints. So it is neat to hear stories about when somebody is shooting straight with you and is not just one of those people in the business that says, Hey, give me your money. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's refreshing to hear that there's people like that out there. It really is. Like I said, I, I hope somehow he sees this at some point and just knows like how thankful I am for him because my career wouldn't be where it is even without something like that. So you start training uh, at, at Truth Martini School. What was the, did you have any idea as to what to expect? Did you talk to anybody before you had your first class? Was there any, you know, feeling out, you know, recon out there like, hey, have you, uh, have you trained with Truth? What's this going to be like? What should I expect? What was it like when you first walked through the doors? No, man, I had no idea. Because like I said, I didn't know a whole, like I knew like Ring of Honor and stuff. That was like, like that's still obviously like pretty big. I didn't have a whole lot of experience with like independent wrestling. So I didn't know a ton and uh, going in there and you know, like the building's not too big. Like you see the ring, like you're excited. And then you start doing, you're like, Holy crap, this, this is tough. But like, this is like what, this is what you want though. Like it's not, not supposed to be easy. 
So uh, it was just really cool because, like, man, I'm doing it. Like, and there's nothing that's going to stop me unless I, like, I'm dead. Like, there was no way I was going to quit. There's nothing. Like, I would literally have to die before they drag me out of there because <laughs> there was no way I was going to stop chasing this for any reason. What were some of the thoughts of, uh, I love asking this question with wrestlers. What were your parents' first thoughts when uh, when they heard you were going to do this? So, you know, college athlete, go to college, get the degree. They're proud of you. H- had they always had some type of inclination that this was in the back of your mind? Or when you finally said this, was this kind of a surprise to them? Yeah, so unfortunately my dad passed away uh, back in like 2009. Um, but I am, I've always been curious to kind of see what he would think because he was always like big with football and stuff like that. And I kind of replay that thought in my head because, I mean, he's a part of the reason I got into wrestling to begin with. So I think part of him might have been skeptical at first. But I think at the same time, he would have been like, yeah, you know, like chase your dream. Do what you want to do and do what you love as long as you're able to support yourself. Um, and like my mom, I think it kind of took her by surprise, too. She knew I loved wrestling and stuff, but I don't think she knew it to that level to where I was going to actually like try to pursue this and try to compete at the highest level possible. And I think even still to this day, she's kind of like, you know, like you could do other ways of like getting money. And I'm like, mom, like <laughs> I just I have to be persistent with it. And like, this is what I'm meant to do. I, I truly know in like the bottom of my heart, like this is what I'm meant to do. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Everybody's story is different. And like, yeah. this is what it's meant to be for me. And like, she still supports me, but in a way I can tell that she's kind of like, ah, but you know, there is like other things you could kind of do. And a lot of parents, you know, are kind of like that right or, right or wrong. It's just a matter of, she still supports me, but I definitely can feel that little difference there. I mean, and it's just her maternal instinct. She wants to make sure that nothing happens and, you know, God forbid, she probably doesn't even know this situation, but she doesn't want like a draw situation to happen or anything like that. So I I completely get it. But I also completely get the concept of you feel like you're meant to do this. I mean, there are people that I've come across that are so driven. um, And I want to say it was Al Snow that made a quote. And they said, if you love something so much and someone asks you, why do you love it? and you can't find the words, that says everything right there. When you can't even verbalize it because it, it, it's kind of the essence of who you are and it kind of personifies what you feel like you're supposed to do, I completely understand that. Um, and I think your dad would be and is very proud of you right now watching you go through all of these uh, matches and, and injuries, but very proud to know that you're fulfilling your, your life's dream. So a couple other things I wanted to go over here because uh, we are good friends with AAW as well. Uh, Trent Saberi, Danny Daniels, and uh, been up to Chicago numerous times. You have had a slew of matches with them. Um, I believe Truth Martini even came through AAW at one time before. Did you find out that, you know, while you were training with Truth that you found some connections as well as you were going through training school or was it a situation of after you graduated, it was kind of on your own type of a deal? It was more so kind of on my own in a way. Uh, unfortunately, like truth wasn't able to be a part of mine as much. He had just had neck surgery and uh, he had just been released of his contract with ring of honor at the time, but uh, he couldn't really do much because of his neck at that point. And um, came around like a little sparingly and stuff. And then after I had, graduated from truce i was in michigan for like a couple months and then i moved to iowa so uh 
I think the way I kind of got my foot in the door more so with AAW is because of my connection with Black and Brave because Danny obviously trained the both of them. Yep. And uh, it helped Danny have an eye on me because they were like, you know, putting my name in his ear. And he pulled me in at one point. It was like, the, I think I'd wrestled once before we had like the futures thing. Yep. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, that might've been my first match there. I can't remember specifically. Uh, it was against Jossie though. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, I think that definitely helped having them under my name that they were able to talk to Danny. And he's like, okay, yeah, no, you know, we're going to bring you on, give you a chance and see what you got. Well, Seth, it was definitely a big part of AEW, as you had said before. I mean, so many names had come through there. Um, such a successful promotion. So let me kind of ask you a little bit about Seth. What was uh, what was it like with him, um, and, and what are some of your memories of him? Yeah, man. I mean, he was kind of almost what I expected, you know, like super just, you know, you got to bust your ass to, like, get to where you want to be and, like, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything for you because this business is extremely difficult and uh, I'm going to get in your face and I'm going to push you and you're going to like it. And if you don't, then you can leave. Like that's as simple as it is. Um, But his work ethic is second to none. You know, he just constantly pushes himself to be better every single day. He's reinventing himself all the time. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a professional wrestler reinvent themselves as much as he has. He's constantly thinking of new ideas to, outdo himself from the last month or like the last show and everything like that. So it was just cool seeing how he processed everything and just how hard he worked to get to those goals. Cause even though he had done so much already, it's like, okay, well, how can I get better? And it was just cool to see firsthand how much effort he puts into everything that he does. Cause I mean, he was at the school almost every single day. Wow. Like, and that's with a full-time schedule, especially at that time. Right. Full-time schedule and everything. And, like, even now, I mean, he's still so a part of it from what I've seen. Like, he's – if he's not there, he's, like, done Zoom calls and stuff like that. And he's very much – if he's going to do something, he's going to be 100% all in. So it's cool to see that because it just shows you what you need to do if you want to get to that level. What about Mr. Merrick Brave? Yeah, man. I mean, he's honestly one of the most talented wrestlers I've ever seen. And it's unfortunate that he had the neck injury that he did because he he legitimately could be at the highest level as well. Like he was so unbelievably talented, the way he talks, the way he carries himself. He just gets it more than like most other wrestlers do. And it was just cool to learn from him, you know, because like he just sees if you see something and like you send him a match, or whatever, he's like able to point out just these little things that you can do or look at these little things that you can implement. And it's like, man. I didn't even see that before. So it was just cool to be able to learn that from him and uh, still take what I had learned and put it into my matches and stuff today. No, I, I agree completely. So you're, you're in the training school and obviously truth uh, is there sparingly. Obviously Seth is there. What are some of the things that they ran you guys through? So take me through a day. So you would show up at the facility. What would they do? Would it be calisthenics in the beginning would it be classes or how would how would a, an average day run there? Yeah, I mean, basically you would uh, get there. You'd have to do like a certain amount of CrossFits during the week. So you might potentially do like a CrossFit earlier in the day or something or whatever. Uh, and then before you're about to get in the ring, you do a warm up, like three or four rounds of something. You do like burpees, stuff like that, air squats, 
whatever it is to get your body nice and nimble to get in there. Start doing some rolls, you know, get your body nice and warmed up to the ring. And then you train yourself for whatever you do for the day. And then once you're done there, sometimes you had workouts after that to kind of push yourself to see if you mentally have what it takes to keep going, even if you don't want to. Was there anybody during that time that you, in your classes, that you still stay in contact with, that you still uh, see from time to time? Yeah, I mean, so most of my class was part of, like, SCW and stuff going forward. Like, there were so many. Like, Steve Manders was in my class. Uh, Dion Roosman was in my class. Uh, like, the his other partner, Robin Steele, uh, infamy yep. kind of deal. Um, yeah, most of the people there had stayed. And, like, we kind of were able to stay together and, you know, wrestle on the SCW show. And it's not as much anymore. But, uh, yeah, like, you still, from time to time, you're obviously going to run into them at a lot of the same shows and stuff like that. So it's cool because, like, there's so many people that come through. But that class had so – I think it's still, to this day, the most number of graduating students in one class. So. Wow. So when you're in the school, how long was your was your program? Was it – so House of Truth was three months, and then okay. his was his was four days a week from six to ten, and then Black and Brave was three days a week from six to ten, or like six to nine thirty ish, uh, for three months as well. Wow! So once you complete that, um, who was your first gig? I mean, who did you first get a chance to? You're officially graduated. You're ready to go. Uh, tell me what it was like getting ready for that first show and coming through that curtain. Yeah, so my first match was technically a week before I graduated from House of Truth. The guy who had like been training us pulled me and my there's only two of us that ended up graduating. And uh me and this me and this other guy ended up being a part of like this six man scramble. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't even have gear or anything like that. So my buddy <laughs> that had helped us gave me like this tiny black, like not completely trunks, but almost trunks. They're almost like more like biker shorts. And uh, it was just simple. We're going to do a couple moves, take a couple things. This guy, like the guy that was training us more specifically, was going to come in, run in, beat us up, whatever. So that was my first match was a six-man scramble uh, for Pro Wrestling All-Stars. And nice. Can't Very what, cool. I can't remember what part of Michigan, but it was in Michigan. And then I still wrestled, and I went to IWA Mid-South like almost every week, like a month later, up till I went to Black and Brave in January. I was going to say, I was going to touch upon uh, IWA Mid-South, but let me ask you about that. So that's a completely different animal altogether. Um, so what was your initial impressions when you got the IWA? See, and it's crazy because I didn't realize it was like the IWA that I'd like heard of. Like, you know, like they had all those tournaments and stuff like that, the Ted Petty Invitational and stuff and all the guys yep. that had come through. And then like I'm realizing it, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like just even being a part of this, is so cool that there's so many guys that like have built their foundation from this spot. So it's just cool to be a part of it. You know, like the first little bit of time I was just refing, just doing whatever they needed me to do and just kept doing stuff and doing stuff. And then finally got to wrestle there and it was just a different environment. You know, there's a lot of guys who are big today that I was starting with there, like Mance Warner, Myron Reed. They were both like young pups at that point, just kind of coming along and really honing their craft like Cole Radrick was there as well and there's probably a couple others that I'm not remembering off the top of my head but uh it was just cool you know to really get my foot in the door that way 
travel because it was like a seven hour trip there, seven hour wow. trip back. And I would do it that night because I'd have to typically like work the next day or something. And um, it was a lot of fun though. It was good to like get my foot in the door right away. I was I was going to ask you that question as well. Was it something that when you were going through your training classes, did they ever instill or did they ever talk about etiquette, uh, how to conduct yourself, locker room etiquette? You know, once you get to a building, the first time you get get into a promotion, because we've talked to many different people, and it seems like it's kind of a it's a smorgasbord of answers. But was that something that was ever also instilled in you? Hey, when you show up to you know, your first time in a promotion, um, this is what you do. What was what was told to you guys as far as how to conduct yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely both schools. I mean, learning it at uh, Truths the first time, you like always introducing yourself, shaking their hand. Obviously with COVID now, maybe like a fist bump or something. Sure. But like always introducing yourself, saying hello. I'm here to do, like, especially if you weren't booked, like, hey, I'm here to do whatever you need, anything that you need help with. Uh, just letting them know who you are and stuff like that. Always introducing yourself, being very cordial, friendly, happy, um, and just, you know, being a good person pretty much. And just not being a turd. <laughs> like, <laughs> as simple as it is. And, yeah, no, like, you definitely learned it within both schools. Like, they preached on it and preached on it and preached on it. Like, you need to conduct yourself to the highest level. I, I've noticed that a lot of wrestlers we've talked to have, have mentioned you, you just have to ingratiate yourself as much as possible because you're always being watched. You are always being watched, and people will determine if, hey, should we bring such and such back? And sometimes some people will say, yeah, absolutely. I loved him or her, or they'll say, no, not so much. So it's it's very true about you know you only get one time to make a first impression. Um, some other things I wanted to talk about as well. So you also have worked with warrior wrestling, which is really, really cool. Um, warrior wrestling is a promotion that has been doing uh, shows for quite a while. And it's actually a high school principal. And since I'm in the education world as well, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, what were some of your experiences when you got a chance to work with warrior? It was awesome. And they've always been super cool with me. And they said, I'd like kind of been on their radar a little bit and, uh, I probably annoy them more than anything, to be honest with you. <laughs> I like, I'm constantly like, Hey man, like if you need anything, cause like how I was hurt, you know, um, I said like, Hey, like uh, I was supposed to wrestle. And that's one of the promotions I had to cancel on. It's like the first time I'd had to cancel them in Pele pro in Texas because I had fractured my sternum. And I was like, guys, I just, I'm not going to be able to give you my full potential. And it's not fair to you guys. And it's not fair to the guys I'm going to work with to not be able to give that to you for like, sure. I could possibly get around it, but like, what's the point if I'm not able to give it my all. Right. And, uh, but no, it was super cool. Like they, uh, hit me up and said, Hey, yeah, uh, we can get you on a pre-show or like whatever. Like we'll try to get you like work no matter what it is. And I was like, yeah, man, whatever you guys need, I'm open to anything. I just am thankful for the opportunity. Thankful to be on there and just blessed that you guys, you know, put me on a show with such talented individuals. So it's really cool. And I'm, hoping to be back there some point soon. Would you agree that, you know, independent wrestling, even before the pandemic was, was super hot. And I feel like now people Jones for independent wrestling because you get such a wide variety. You get so many different promotions, whether it's black label pro or CZW or GCW or, um, Kiefer Bartek runs a promotion down in Texas. Uh, 
there's so many different promotions that you have a chance to work for. Have you also found out in different parts of the country that you work different styles? Is there some ways that you change things up depending on where you're going to go? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you kind of just got to feel it on the fly in a way like certain crowds just don't react to things that you're going to do. Like some crowds, you know, would be completely for that, like baby face, you know, over the top baby face. But then a lot of crowds, just, no, I don't want any of that. Like you need to be more rugged. Like you need to be tough, just tougher all around, show a lot of grit. And uh, especially like compared to Michigan and then down in like IWA, you know, it's pretty different. Like those fans are like, we want you to bring it like an IWA. Like we really want you to bring it and just look like you're killing that person essentially. <laughs> and it's uh wild to go from place to place just to see how different the crowds are. And it really challenges you to be a better wrestler because you got to figure out what works there, what works here. And then you really got to figure out and challenge yourself to do something different. Kind of uh, going on that as well. Have you ever had a situation where you've gone into a match and you've had, you know, your objective, I'm, you know, we're going to do ABC, and then at some point in time, uh, things don't quite work, and you realize the crowd's not really into what's going on. How difficult is it, especially earlier on in a career, to be able to adjust on a fly, to call an audible and get them back into it? Yeah, because, I mean, you're scared to call anything on the fly, especially when you're so new to the business. You're just like, oh, gosh, I don't. that sounds terrible. I want to do this, this, and this, and that's what we're going to do. Thankfully, most of the time, I haven't had any issues. Even if the crowd wasn't, like, super into it, um, they still kind of get into it a little bit. But uh, I'm trying to remember specifically. I had a match in Ohio. It was, like, a random tag match because I went with uh, Congo Kong to a show. And man, it just, the match went completely way different than what it was supposed to. And uh, the crowd wasn't into it, tried to switch it up. It went terribly after that. And it was just one of the worst matches I've ever been a part of because it just, everyone was pretty green. Everyone was super, super new to the business and it just did not go well. So it's hard to adjust, but if you have that confidence, it's just a lot easier if you're just doing a one-on-one match you have that confidence and you're able to change things because like you're feeling the flow the crowd's not gonna be able to tell if that's not what it's supposed to be right so it's just yeah so it's just a matter of being confident and that's what i would preach thankfully i haven't had to deal with that a whole lot but uh, i would kind of welcome that challenge in a way to be honest with you it kind of put you in an awkward situation so you become comfortable with being uncomfortable um i've i've heard that from a lot of different wrestlers as well as they will say I will intentionally put myself in situations and in parts of the country that I know my style might not necessarily work, but then it forces me to evolve even more as, as a wrestler to be able to win over that audience or to find a way to get to them. You had mentioned Congo Kong, and uh, I, I find that to be such a unique, unique character. Um, what was that like uh, just being with uh, that individual and, and what kind of, feedback or advice or anything to that nature did you get from him man i'm i still talk to him a lot to this day he's uh he makes my gear um he was real instrumental on getting me out on the road so before i go to iwa my first like long road trip was just to this random show in west virginia he was like hey kid uh do you want to go with me to the show it's on a tuesday but you know if you want to go my car's open i was like sure 
we'll go. <laughs> so got me a match. Went to a random show in West Virginia and, you know, got to create a relationship with him ever since then. And he's been super loving and caring to me ever since. And he's just been instrumental on pointing things out to me and trying to help me in any way that he can. So I'm very thankful and appreciative of all that he's done for me because he's a good guy. He's a really good guy and he has a genuine, genuine heart. I'm thankful for all that he's done. Yeah, no, I've heard nothing but good things about him as well. And it, it once again, in a business that sometimes you hear not the greatest things said about people, it makes it even better when you hear the stories about Congo Kong and, and Brian Kendrick and, you know, people who have gone out of their way and they didn't have to, to help somebody out and get them on their feet with their career. Was there anybody else along the way so far uh, that has also kind of taken you under their wing or maybe somebody who had a, at an event might have pulled you aside and said, hey, I really like what you did or you might want to think about X, Y, or Z? Any interesting side conversations with anybody? Well, so when SCW brought in Alex Shelley, I uh, got to wrestle him, and that was something I never thought in my right mind would happen. It's the only time I've ever cried after a match. Like, it, it was just so surreal to the fact that like I got to wrestle one of my heroes from Michigan and like my first my first night at House of Truth him and Saban came in and were training and I was just like what this is crazy so like ultimately getting that moment wrestling him having the match and then creating a relationship and him kind of like you know inviting me out texting me from time to time saying hey like you can do this or you can study this guy and you know you can come to my uh come to the school that I work at and we can go through some stuff and we can train and we can go together. And it's just awesome. The dude is so full of knowledge, like on the fly too. It's so crazy how vast his mind works. And I'm um, very thankful for all that he's done because he's just one of the best in the world. And it's cool to be able to have a relationship, to have a match with him and, you know, just experience everything that he's done. I, I talk to a lot of people and I, I still say, um, there was a time period, there was a window when TNA was amazing um, with, with the motor uh, city machine guns and Joe and AJ and Frankie and Daniels and, and everybody was just so, they were hitting on it. The X division, the women's matches were just straight on fire. And I don't think at any point in time anybody was putting on better wrestling than uh, TNA. And they were a huge part of that. And to this day, they still draw great numbers. Mm -hmm. And with clinics that they do and seminars that they do as well, from I've heard from Jerry, um, they're still spreading their knowledge. And I think that's amazing to see somebody who not only has been successful in the ring, but outside the ring as well. Yeah. Something I also was curious about, are you uh, someone who will just study wrestling, you know, just get DVDs or... Do you have the network or do you just binge on YouTube stuff? Are you the type of person who just wants to try to consume as much as you can? Or when you're not doing it, do you say, okay, I'm going to put that part of my life over here in a box and I'm going to go do some other stuff? Yeah, it definitely goes in, in phases. You know, um, I'm definitely a huge proponent of really wanting to know who I'm going to wrestle beforehand. Like I for sure want to know just basically so I can study and, you know, think of ideas for what we can do and like uh, how the match is going to go and stuff like that. And I'd like to, to know certain things that they do in the ring that works well for them that might challenge them. And hopefully they would do the same for me. So I'm really huge on watching who your opponent's going to be because it's, why would you go in there not having any experience in what they do? You know what I mean? Um, 
but yeah, no, I definitely study from time to time. I haven't watched as much lately. I think it's more so because I knew I couldn't wrestle and it was just like eating me up that it I couldn't wrestle. Too much. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, man, like I want to like keep active with it and like keep watching it, but it's like, ah, I just, I, I want to do it and I can't. <laughs> so it's very frustrating to, to just sit there and, just, ah, ah. but no, I definitely go through ways where I to watch a lot of stuff on the network. I'll pull up a lot of stuff. I mean, I thankfully have a lot of guys that like, Hey, you should watch this match. You should watch this match. So I can just kind of look that up and uh, definitely go through binges where I'm watching a bunch of stuff we've talked to several wrestlers where they would say that they uh, were in the tape trading business or they would try to get whether it was VHS tapes or DVDs or whatever they could. And even after the event was over, they'd go back to the hotel and they would watch. And it was just one of those things where you're like, wow, some people literally just eat, sleep and breathe. And I completely respect it, but there's gotta be a point in time when you say, I just want to throw on a movie or I just want to mentally check out for a little while and not think about this. And the thing that's crazy is you'll watch those movies and then you'll get an idea from that movie. Like, Oh man, I could implement <laughs> this. That's where a lot of it comes from. That's where a lot of it comes from. You watch these movies you're like, wow, I could implement what this guy's doing and what this girl's doing into my stuff. And it's just, it's crazy. Everything can kind of refer back to wrestling. What would you say in your career so far has been, uh, I mean, it's hard to say, and, and I know it's really an awkward question, but your crowning moment so far, we, I mean, obviously you talked about uh, Alex Shelley, but is there something that stands out right now in your career that you say, man, that was that was amazing, that right now stands out as my number one memory? I mean, it's definitely the Shelley match. Like, I mean, being SCW Pro Champion because of, like, my trainers being SCW Pro Champions, like, that's awesome. That was a, a fulfillment that I've just – always wanted to do so that was really cool but uh i mean the shelly match was just something i never thought would actually be possible and it's just crazy what this world of wrestling can do and it takes you on highs and lows and you know there's times where you just don't think you have what it takes and you're just like whatever like i don't think i should be doing this and there's times where it's just like man like that's it like this is the moments that you live for and uh, i just remember talking to a couple of guys after that match and like i was bubbling like a baby i just i could not keep myself together but it was just like this is what you live for like these are the moments that keep you going and this is why you do it and this is why you love professional wrestling are you a a big proponent of watching your own matches back or because we've talked to some people and they're kind of like i don't like to watch my own stuff but some people do um what's your take do you like to watch your own stuff do you look back at it or do you sit down with somebody else and say, Hey, can you give me some feedback on this? How do you approach rewatching your matches? A little bit of everything. I absolutely think you should rewatch your stuff because the only way you're going to get better is seeing what worked, what did wrong. Like, did that look sloppy? If you don't watch it, how are you going to know like what you look like or like if that looks believable and stuff like that. And like, I get like, you know, you get nervous of like watching or listening to yourself talk and stuff like that. But at the same time, the only way you're going to get better is if you analyze your stuff, you look down at what you're doing and critically think, okay, well, that didn't go so well. What could I do to improve on that? And then you have someone else watch it and like, all right, what didn't go so well? What could I do to improve that? But then you also need to look at things that you did do well. So it's like, oh, I could use this there. And it's just critically looking over everything, I just think is huge in making sure that you become a better wrestler. 
how much would you say if you were to try to divide it up in it, as a pie, a hundred percent, the in-ring, the promo, the look, the attire, um, all of that. I mean, would you be able to divide that up to say, I, I think to be a complete wrestler, in your opinion, you need to have 50% of this and, and 20% of this, or how would you divide that up? Yes, I don't know if I have a number, but I mean, everything is so, so equally important. Like you just, you have to have like a certain aura about you, especially when you come out, like people need to know that you are a big deal. You can't just come out, kind of do whatever, blah, blah, blah. And like, I need to be better at that personally. Like I need to make myself be more wanted to be more attractive for people to be like, yeah, I need to go see that guy. This is who I came to see. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, being in the ring, like you need to, it's, it's not just about like the moves and who can do the coolest thing. Like you need to own each moment. And if you can do the cool things and do that, I mean, goodness, the, the sky's the limit for you. Like you just really have to own those times when it's meant for you to rise to that occasion. And uh, within like selling or like doing this and that, you just have to be at the highest level. And one of the guys that I really think has grown a lot and from an unfortunate situation is Dante Martin uh, mm -hmm. with his brother, you know, tearing his ACL. That guy didn't have much of a personality, to be honest with you. He could just do a lot of cool things. Sure. But Super now quiet. That, but, but now that he's gotten more of a platform to really showcase himself even more, he's gone to such another level. And if he can work on these promos and stuff, because the promos are huge. Like, the, that's where it separates the champions from the not champions, to, to me personally. Because if you can cut a promo, you know, you can sell tickets and you're going to be at the top of the card and you're going to be able to sell a rivalry that you're going along. And he's just grown so much in this time since his brother's come along. His brother's amazing, too. Like, he is so good. Love so I'm excited. Player. I'm excited to see them together now that it's, it's almost a blessing in disguise because he was really able to grow because he could do so much in the ring. But now the facials and everything like that, it's grown so much for him and it's so cool to see. And I'm just so excited to see those guys finally come back together at some point and just do even more incredible things. You mentioned before, obviously, with, with the promo, um, obviously with our our other show for our own material, Mikey Whipwreck and Jerry Lynn, they have mentioned to me uh, on air and off air numerous times, um, we did not want to grab the microphone. Mikey would say, I was super shy. Jerry would say, no one wants to hear me talk. Um, when it came to your training, how much of that would you say is, even if you're a quiet person, even if you're shy, hey, you got to fake it until you make it. Like you literally have to just grit it and go. Um, how difficult is that if you're not typically a super outgoing person? No, oh, it's extremely challenging. It's hard to break out of that shell. Like if you're not confident in what you're saying, the whole crowd is going to know. Right. <laughs> it's just it's just a matter that like, they're just they're going to know. But I mean, it was a huge point of emphasis at both schools. Like you have to be able to talk. You have to be able to put those butts in the seats like it's the only way that you're going to make it anywhere in this business unless you're just the most freak 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 athletic of nature or you look like a million bucks you have to learn how to talk and you have to be confident with what you're saying even if it's not a lot you don't have to overcomplicate this the more simple the better 
But uh, just having that demeanor and having that aura is just huge. And both schools way overemphasized it. What actually, we hear the phrase promo class a lot with these training. So what exactly happens in promo class? Do they, do they give you something? Do they give you, is it kind of an extemporaneous thing, almost like an improv class? Or do they say, okay, here's some bullet points. Let's, let's run it several times. Let's see what you got. How do they actually introduce you to your very first introduction into doing a promo or your training? Yeah, so a lot of times it's, you know, you kind of need to come up with an idea. Uh, you'll have about 60 seconds, kind of figure out what you want to talk about, wrap it up, and uh, go from there. But then a lot of times it'll be like, okay, well, cut a promo as this or cut a promo as that. Like I had to cut a promo as a homeless person trying to earn money on the side of the street. You know, it's just also random, which I think is nice because I, I have a tough time with scripted or like huge bullet points. Like I like to like think of stuff in my head before but it doesn't come out naturally like it would if I just talk on the fly. Right. Um, so I like the improv, but it's also key to really hone in on things because you do need to get the point over and you don't want to ramble and just ramble and ramble because then it just takes away from everything that you're trying to get over. Who would you say is somebody right now in wrestling that you think really has mastered the art of the promo? I mean, obviously Seth Rollins, there, there's no doubt about that. The man, the man does it on a weekly basis. But is is there anybody else that you've noticed, you've watched, that you say, you know what, they really know what they're doing and they have a great way of connecting to the audience with what they say, with the way they carry their body, the way they deliver the art of the promo? I mean, CM Punk's incredible. Um, I mean, that's obvious. I don't need to get into too much with that. MJF's pretty good. Uh, I think AJ Styles has grown a lot with how well he talks now. Um, what else was there? I honestly like Dustin Rhodes. Every time that man talks, it's so inspiring. Like his promo, like that, and they're short and sweet. But I tell you what, man, he invokes yeah. something out of you that you didn't realize you had. There it's was one on, fire. there was like one on Rampage specifically. I don't even remember who he was wrestled to be. I think it might have been Malachi Black. And man, his it was just such a good promo. It was like. 15 20 seconds but it was so good it was so believable it was the, the heart and fire was there and it's just so cool to see that but i mean cody rhodes obviously is talks like a million bucks and you just believe everything that he says and it's just awesome to see i mean becky's becky lynch has gotten really good at her promos too like she you know can talk for days so it's just there's a lot that you can look from and study from and just overall grow yourself by just watching them it's funny you mentioned, you know, in promo class that give you just random things to, to talk about just to try to see, you know, the, the depth of where you can go. I was watching, uh, I guess it was like BTE and Eddie Kingston. It was it was during a promo class. So the Bucks took Eddie their... Kingston. Sorry, that that definitely should have been included, too. He oh my that God. man makes everything so believable. So good. He, so, so good. So he, real. He cut a promo on a chocolate chip cookie. So they had a bunch of the guys from, uh, you know, dark and elevation and whatnot. And they were in, I don't know, a hotel room or one of the, like the conference rooms, you know, and they were talking about the importance of being able to cut a promo. Right. And they were like, Eddie, you're going to cut a promo on this chocolate chip cookie. And literally Eddie made you believe 
everything he said about that cookie. And it's, it's, it's weird because you've got this dichotomy of it's a cookie, but then the way, I mean, just Eddie's accent and his gestures and the way he enunciates certain words. I mean, that's the whole thing right there. That's the and, big thing, man. It's the enunciation. You don't have to overcomplicate. Do not overcomplicate anything. People want you to explicitly tell them what they want to hear. Right. And like, you just got to, put those points in you got to hone in on them and just over just overemphasize everything and he does if not like the best job at doing that and i'm so excited for him right now because he is one of the realest people and he makes you believe he could be your neighbor he's just a tough dude who busted his ass in life never got anything handed to him and he's one of us and it, it's just – it's such a great feeling because when you can see yourself inside of a character or when that character is able to allow you to say, you know what? I see a little bit of myself in that. They got you. And if it happened to me, it's probably happened to a lot of people in the seats. And then that's money. And then at that point in time, you're, you're running. But I, I was looking over some things, and, and you work with Dustin Rhodes and Lee Johnson and, and, and Powerhouse Hobbs. That guy's huge, huge. Um and then you talked about Parker and Lee, you know, working with 2.0. I love 2.0. Um, is there anybody in AEW right now that you really feel like you would you would mesh really well with? I mean, I know there's a few, but I'm really trying to hone in on the one person that would just be incredibly well. Because everybody's got some people in mind that they're like, if I got an opportunity to work a program with somebody, mm. I think this person and I, we would really be able to lean on each other and really kind of tee off on some things. I mean, it could be cliche, but I really think Brian Danielson, like I just, I've idolized that guy so much. And it's just that mean grit and like that, you know, like that just gritty face. Like, I just think he would bring so much out of me that would help elevate me. And I think it would turn me into another level where I could just keep going and just bring it even more to him. And I just think it'd be physical, it'd be fun, and just be a, a fight. And I just, like, all the grappling and everything, I just think it would be nice. I I'd, I'd really, I know he's, like, one of the best in the world, but I really think that would be the matchup that I would thrive in. And, uh, if there was anyone else I had to say, that would probably be Dante Martin or Lee Johnson. I always kind of wanted to just wrestle Lee Johnson one-on-one, too. I think there's a lot that I could bring out of him emotionally that I think is right there that I think would help him just grow so much because he has so much potential. Oh, I agree 100% with you. Man, there's so many things I could I could get into, but I know we are, we are pushing up against the hour here. Um before we, we start wrapping things up, is there any chance we could uh, twist your arm for a part two? Because I would love to get your thoughts on a lot of the different aspects of the business as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. So I was doing my homework here and I was looking at some stuff. So you're going to be healing up. You're going to be back in action in February, right? Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Perfect. Where can people buy merchandise from you? Um, can they get your, your T-shirts? Where can they find as much information about you as possible? So I unfortunately don't really have any merch. I really need to invest more into it. I've never, cause I've just never, I hate it because I never cared about the money. Like I always thought 
know, the higher I get, the money's going to come. It's all about the love for the business, what I want to do. But I understand that some people are fans and they want to rep you in a way. Yes. So I need to be better about that. I will have something at some point soon once I get back in the flow of things. I kind of see what works. But I mean, just follow me on Instagram, Twitter, the Travis Titan, the real Travis Titan. Don't remember which one's which, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's one or the other. Uh, Just supporting me, posting stuff, resharing stuff that I do. I'm excited for some things that I have coming forward. And um, that's basically it right there. Watching my matches, sharing my stuff. I have a bunch of stuff on YouTube against Ben Carter, Nate Fraser, Steve Manders, Shelly, TJP, all that, all that stuff. So that's exciting. So exciting. It's awesome to hear your story and to hear your experiences with some people and, and just to know how hard you are fighting for this. And I think we're all behind you 100%. And I think I can speak for a lot of wrestling fans saying we can't wait until the calendar turns over to February. You're fully healed up and and ready to go again we will definitely uh post links to youtube and your social media accounts as well so people can be more informed on everything that's going on with travis titan travis thank you so much for your time my friend yeah man thank you we'll talk to you down the road sounds good all right guys that is travis titan such a great interview i love talking to wrestlers and finding out what their story is because everyone has a story right How did you get into wrestling? Who motivated you? Who inspired you? And then when you find out, well, where did you train from? And what are some of the stories that you learned? There's so many different things. And that's what makes Future Stars Now such a great show. Um, I think it, it pulls back the curtain and it allows you, the listener, to almost be in the backseat of the car traveling with these guys or, or being there at the show with them and, and kind of going through the ebb and flow of what their career is. These are the guys that are going to be headlining the major shows in the years to come. So we hopefully will introduce you to them here. And then you can follow them on their social media accounts. You can also go ahead, follow them if they're going to be in your area. Please buy a ticket and support them. I will always continue to say this. Support independent wrestling. Buy the shirts. Buy the foam fingers, the keychains, whatever it may be. Support, support, support them. Because you know what? They're doing it for the love but they're doing it because we love it as well. All right, I'm done talking. I've enjoyed this. This has been fun. I hope you guys had fun. It's been a great Friday night. Hope you guys have a great weekend. For the Ritster, I am Mike Freeland. This is going to do it for Future Stars Now. We'll catch you next week. Stop.